This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys get back into the out-of-the-box draft with athletes outside of the major four American sports. That's football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. We get into some golf talk with our special guest, Matt Lasserre. And we get into our question and answer segment, breaking down Steph Curry's attempt to break Ray Allen's record this week, along with the coaching rumors surrounding the Oregon Ducks and Chip Kelly. This week in sports gets into our Heisman Trophy reactions, as well as our college football playoff reactions and bowl reactions, as well as our picks for the Army-Navy game this weekend. episode of the show this week with me as always the dylan in the dylan and dylan show that's dylan holt dylan how are you doing i'm in i am doing fantastic uh we're coming off a very 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 exciting weekend in college football where things didn't quite go as we saw uh, or as expected oklahoma state losing literally on the inch yard line in an amazing big 12 championship game uh we're gonna i imagine we're both gonna talk about what bryce young did to georgia michigan obviously just rolling past uh iowa a lot of fun stuff happening in uh college football championship weekend uh and we're we've learned about all the bowl games the playoff and we're going to talk about all that later i'm really really jazzed up about all the stuff that's happened i'm really excited for a good show how are you doing today i'm doing pretty good i'm doing pretty good uh i, I felt in today in general felt a bit under the weather but in, in terms of the week you know it's hard not to feel good uh with Michigan, the way that Michigan played on Saturday and, you know, just so many things. I, I talked about it last week, how I'm feeling a bunch of new feelings as a college football fan. And that just extended through winning our first big 10 championship outright since 2003. First time we've even been in the big 10 championship game since they introduced it in 2011 and go ahead and win the way that we did was uh, a little extra special. So I'm uh, feeling pretty good about my sports teams for one at this point in the year. So really excited to get into the show today. Uh, reminder to follow the Tunnel Vision Sports wherever you get your podcast. That way you will never miss a fine episode of anything that we put out here. Uh, we'll get back into our out-of-the-box drafts this week. Uh, rest in peace to a, uh, a goat of the horse racing world in Medina Spirit. And that is why uh, we are doing our non-major sports out-of-the-box draft this week. So any athletes not in football, baseball, basketball, or hockey are eligible to be drafted. Dylan's got the coin ready, flipped and go, ready to go, and he's got heads ready to go. So he's got his choice of whether he would like to go that's, first or rather take. That's good old George take. Washington, I believe. I am no coin expert nor a president expert. That's why I'm here talking sports. But that's George Washington. Uh, I'm going to take the second and third picks. I think there's it's very vast the ways you can go in this draft. So I'm going to take two and three. Let's take one. 
All right. Uh, that actually does. I do feel good about getting the first pick because I think the one A and the one B, I had one A and one B and the one A that I wanted, I think is definitely a step up from the one B that I had written down. I'm going into the world of soccer and it's definitely a major sport. If I am not, uh, if, if, if we weren't talking about American major sports, it would definitely be a major sport, but mm-hmm. since it's a, within this list, I'm going with Lionel Messi as my number one pick. Uh, and I think he's just the greatest soccer player of all time. And I think he just speaks for itself. Uh, all of the things that he's done winning the Copa of America, the gold, old Olympic gold medal and a FIFA U20 World Cup uh, in terms of just major titles, but 672 club goals, 226 club assists, 80 international goals, seven Ballon d'Or awards. I looked up the pronunciation pronunciation of that award. I still can't get it down, but it's a very French name, but the, the, the best soccer player in the world, he's won it seven times. And he's just, I think the GOAT of soccer, in my opinion, I think you can go back to some of the older soccer players, but definitely in our lifetime, I think Messi is, is number one by far. So happy to have him with my first pick. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. So, I'm very happy that you went with Lionel Messi because he's very much up there for me. But I had one uh, football player up or soccer player, as we refer to him, in the States, and that is Cristiano Ronaldo. I've been uh, not a huge soccer guy, but when I watch soccer, I've always uh, drifted more towards Ronaldo than Messi. And I I don't know if it's just because the flash in his game or what, but it's just, I don't know. When When I watch Ronaldo, it's just like, yeah. This guy looks like the premier athlete in this sport. And I kid you not, I didn't write down the achievements of Ronaldo because when you search Ronaldo achievements, that's not even putting in Cristiano. It's just like, we know what you're talking about. It's, you know, the guy from Portugal. His achievements, you just scroll down and just keeps going on Google. It just keeps going. It's incredible. The the Dior Award, which I Ballon Dior, I... I know I butchered that. You looked it up. I did not. He's got three of them. That's really good. It's not messy seven, but that's really, really good. And that's just kind of the um, the tip of the iceberg as far as what he's done because he's got so many FIFA awards, won so many awards uh, in both the Premier League. He won in, uh, awards in La Liga when he played uh, for Real Madrid and obviously now playing in England for uh, Manchester United. But, yeah, Ronaldo, he's, he's one of the GOATs in uh, – the biggest sport in the world. Uh, so yeah, can't go wrong with Ronaldo. Obviously can't go wrong with Messi either, but happy I got Ronaldo. With my second pick, I got to go with the man in golf. I got to go with Tiger Woods. I, 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 this is why I went one or went with the second pick because I knew I would get either Ronaldo or Messi and then be able to get maybe Tiger Woods if Tiger Woods wasn't picked first. Uh, we all know Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is probably the athlete from one of the non-major sports that's kind of been big for everyone. I mean, growing up, it seems like if you turned on ESPN or you're watching whatever, you would see a Tiger Woods commercial for literally anything. He had all the advertisements because Tiger Woods was that guy. Um, (laughs) I find it hilarious because I love looking like awards on these people's Google pages. And it says best golfer ESPY award. And it literally, it just, says ellipses because the years just keep going it's like 2006 2007 2008 dot 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 because it just keeps going um he has a presidential medal of freedom there's not many athletes that can say that when you got that that that's mad respect for old tiger um 
I mean, he won the AP Male Athlete of the Year in 1999, 2000, 2006. These are that transcends just golf. And then, I mean, you go to the things he's done in golf. Won so many uh, championships in golf. He's one of the greatest of all time. And uh, we're gonna talk about him a little later with Matt because he's just that good. He's still in the news. He's making making breaking news. Charlie Woods will probably be on this list one day when we're still doing the Dylan and Dylan show twenty years from now. But yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, Tiger Woods, my first two picks. I'll throw it to you for your next two. Yeah, I'm glad you went Ronaldo too, too, because I, that was my that was my one B. That was if you took Messi first, I was on Ronaldo one B. I'm, I'm happy to know that I would have gotten Messi regardless, and then I will have to dip into my alternates because, of course, I had Tiger Woods on there. He's a he transcends this list. I think he's the he's one of the best guys. I just thought I had to get one of my soccer players up there uh, with my second pick. This is down the route of what inspired me to do this draft because rest in peace, Medina Spirit, one of the Triple Crown winners. I'm going with the most dominant Triple Crown winner. I'm going back to Secretariat back in the day uh, and commonly considered the greatest racehorse of all time. But for people that don't know, and like I didn't even know this either, the the races, two, at least two of the tri- three Triple Crown races that Secretariat uh, raced are available on YouTube. You can go watch them and you can go see how dominant secretary it was it's funny it's funny to see how fast that horse was compared to the other ones and uh i did not know this until i started researching it secretariat holds the track record at all three of the triple crown tracks Uh, and no one's come within two seconds of its record at belmont which is the one that i watched right before this and if you have a chance to go watch it it's hilarious because i also like the horse that comes in second is the second place, like it's the second fastest time at Belmont. And he just smoked him. Secretary was just so far ahead. And I think it's widely considered that is the greatest racehorse of all time. Uh, And that was what inspired me to get this list together. So rest in peace, Medina spirit, Uh, rest in peace, secretary too, as well. But I'm happy to have it. I I have secretary on my list. And then with my third pick, I'm going into the world of tennis going with the greatest tennis player in my lifetime. I think the greatest of all time in Roger Federer. Uh, an amazing amount of things that he has done or is tied with another great tennis player with. He's got 20 Grand Slam singles titles, uh, reached 31 Grand Slam finals, made 10 consecutive Grand Slam finals from 05 to 07. So like there was a time where every major tournament Roger Federer was in the championship round. Uh, spent 237 straight weeks as the world's number one tennis player. That's the longest of any uh, any tennis player of all time. Uh, eight Wimbledon wins, 10 Swiss indoor finals, 10 Halley Open wins, eight Dubai. Ch- I mean, his his list goes on and on and on and on. So I, I'm and he's the icon of, of tennis, too. I think there's arguments for like the Nadal's and the uh, the Djokovic's of the world. But when you think of tennis, like Federer comes up with that Rolex commercial and everything that he's done. So uh, I'm happy to have Roger Federer join my list along with Secretariat. I'll throw it to you for your next couple picks. So I like both those picks a lot, but I still have my last two picks and I'm very happy that I still have my last two picks because they're very wacky and I'm okay with that. I'm going to save the the most wacky for my last pick. Going to go a little more, uh, I'd say, I wouldn't say, uh, conservative, because this is pretty out of the box, but whatever. He's a goat. Um, I'm going with Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's the man. He won 73 championships. Tom Brady is considered the goat 
he he isn't gonna sniff 73 championships tony hawk is skateboarding like when you have a video game and it's the pro skateboarding video game and it's just tony hawk that that lets you know something like he's the man uh 73 titles like i said he was named the top skater every year from 1984 to 1996 that's michael jordan type dominance i mean he's the michael jordan of skating or michael jordan is the tony hawk of basketball because that might be how we should uh measure these things because tony hawk straight up dominant in the world of skating he's the man he invented moves Michael Jordan didn't invent things. He dunked from the free throw line, but he didn't invent dunking. He invented the ollie to Indy, the gymnast plant, the front side 540 rodeo flip, and the saran wrap. And I'm not even going to attempt to make you believe that I know what any of those things are, but I know they look really cool. And I know Tony Hawk made it look really cool because he's the man and he's the goat in the skateboarding world. And my last pick to go along with Tony Hawk to go along with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, and to go along with my other pick, uh, Tiger Woods. How did I forget Tiger Woods? To go along with Tiger Woods, Ronaldo, and, uh, and um, oh my goodness, my, I'm going blank. Uh, Tony Hawk, oh my God. Joey Chestnut, Joey Chestnut, another goat. I mean, I, I got a goat in golf, the goat of skateboarding. And then the goat of competitive eating, a sport. I will, it's no doubt a sport. And Joey Chestnut is the man in competitive eating. 14 time Nathan's hot dog uh, eating competition winner. That's absurd. That's, he's the Boston Celtics of hot dog eating competition. And he's a Kentuckian, little known fact. Um, after he downed, I believe it was 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes, he was, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was said that he was the greatest athlete of all time. So uh, I'll leave it there. And he's a Kentuckian, so he had to get on my list. Uh, so yeah, Joey Chestnut, Tony Hawk joined my list. Who do you have as your last uh, pick? I love both of those picks. I honestly, I have Joey Chestnut on my alternates. I was thinking about going with him in my last pick because you took my Tiger Woods pick. Uh, but Looking down my alternates, I think there's just there's one realm that I think our boss Stephen and Keenan would hate if we didn't if we jumped over every boxer on the list. So I'm gonna take a boxer at this point, and I have to decide. I'm gonna go with Muhammad Ali because I, I think he's the more iconic of the boxers. I, I it was hit between him and Floyd Money Mayweather, obviously, uh, and and Mayweather. You know, he, while he might be the greatest technical boxer of all time, I think Muhammad Ali is what you think of when you think of a heavyweight champion. Uh, not only was he gonna knock you out, but he was gonna make you feel it too. And just so many iconic moments from Muhammad Ali. Uh, I don't have his stats written down like I do for the other guys because he wasn't my alternates, but. More than happy to have Muhammad Ali join my list along with Roger Federer, Secretariat, and Lionel Messi. Uh, I think a very solid group of individuals there. Uh, any alternates that got left off your list? Of course. Um, I had Dale Earnhardt. I really wanted to get Dale on there, but just just missed out. RIP to another goat. Um, I had Ric Flair, uh, pro wrestling, grew up on it. He, he was definitely an alternate. Uh, and then, obviously, had to have the Paul brothers, Jake and Logan Paul, known professional boxers on my alternate list. Uh, who did you have on your alternates? 
Yeah, I had a bunch of those guys too. I had a Dale Earnhardt on there. I had Jeff Gordon on there. I was a big Jeff Gordon fan growing up just because my dad had a, his company had a DuPont uh, sponsorship. We would go to the Jeff Gordon tent and we'd always see Jeff Gordon. So I just have like this childhood connection with Jeff Gordon. But if I had to go with NASCAR, I was definitely going to go with Dale Earnhardt. I have a bunch of, I have a bunch of them. I've got Nadal. I've got Jokovic, uh, Billy Jean King, uh, Pele, Diego Maradona, Medina Spirit, RIP. Uh, Joey Chestnut was on there. Usain Bolt, Lance Armstrong. I thought that was gonna that was way far down. If I had to go, Lance Armstrong. Uh, he's got his he's got his pros. He's got his cons. Uh, Sean White, uh, Michael Phelps, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, some of those I tried to avoid just because we we mentioned them in the Olympics draft. And it's a bit easier for us to get a little bit more content out of these newer players, but I'm happy with my list. Uh, we will post those lists on social media so you guys can let us know uh, how you think we drafted, what you think was the better lineup. Uh, we will break quickly here. We talked to our colleague and sports writer, Matt Lassere, uh just yesterday about the news in the golf world surrounding Tiger Woods, Dylan's draft pick along with uh, the tournament that happened this weekend and uh, what's coming up in the future uh, and the Bryson and Brooks uh, versus match that happened just a couple of weeks ago. So we will break quickly for that uh, and we'll see you on the other side. All right. We got a special guest on the podcast today. We've got our friend, our colleague, Matt Lassere here today talking golf with us. Matt, how are you doing today, man? Good. How about you guys? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to get into some golf stuff. Um, not certainly not the expertise of Dylan and I, but uh, in, ready to get into some golf stuff. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I don't get to talk. Um, <laughs> I've been worse. Uh, I'm excited to talk some golf. I My golf knowledge is Tiger Woods, and that's about it. So we're going to test those limits here, and I'm very excited to get into it. Well, that's a perfect segue into our first topic today because Tiger kind of broke the internet today by announcing that he is returning in just 10 days' time, uh, completely shattering the time frame that everyone else had kind of pinned for his comeback from that devastating injury he suffered uh, in that car accident uh, just, you know, I, I don't even know how many months ago, but we'll, I'll throw it to Matt because uh, he, uh, he wrote an article on it today and he's, a, he's our golf expert. So, Matt, what was your reaction to the Tiger news today? Yeah, so it was kind of surprising at first because it didn't seem like last week when he was talking in the press conference Monday, it was kind of just he doesn't know when he's going to come back. He didn't know. He said he had a long way to go. Uh, It kind of seemed like the goal was more the Masters, the Open Championship, something like that. Um, It just seemed like he was not even close to being able to play on TV or anything like that. Uh, He did cite a lot of playing with his son. That's what he liked doing at the moment. So I guess it makes sense that now he's coming back for the PNC championship. Uh, What I think a lot of people are saying in general is that it might not be the best idea for him to play on this level right now, but it's also not the biggest level you can get to. And it's more of, I think it's more of him trying to have fun with his son than going out and being competitive again. If I'm not mistaken, I believe I read this correctly. He's coming back to play in a tournament with Charlie, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's not like, like you're saying, this isn't like the top level. He's trying to go win a PGA championship. He's going yeah. out there to help his son try to just get some reps in, get back in the swing of things type deal. Yeah, I get it. Like, it's not a big 
huge tournament. It's just a lot of for fun. I mean, you saw it a lot of over the years when like John Daly and his kid played, and that's when we would see him make headlines. Same thing happened. They played last year and Charlie stole the show. It wasn't even about Tiger. So I would expect to say, see that kind of the same thing, but maybe shift a little bit more towards Tiger's play because no one's seen him play since the car accident. So, but I just wouldn't, I think the golf world will focus too much on that when it's just, he's just going to try to have fun. He might not play his best, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think there's a there's a definite chance that people are going to be overanalyzing that swing and trying to see if his injuries are, are are weighing on that swing or anything. I mean, that's just the the nature of Tiger Woods, and especially with the nature of that injury, the the way it was. Uh, speaking of Tiger Woods, he was a big part of the tournament last weekend down in the Bahamas, uh, the Hero World Challenge. Uh, I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, just a quick summary on what you saw there and uh, what the PGA Tour looks like as a as a whole right now after that tournament. Yeah, it uh, it honestly looks great because it was like a it was only a twenty man field of pretty much twenty of the best golfers in the country, in the world. Sorry, not country. Uh, but you saw at the end of there that at the end there was like six players in the mix looking who had a good chance of winning. Who won? Victor Hovland was six strokes down to start the day. Ended up making back to back eagles on the back nine, and it just jump started the whole round. Uh, he got kind of got lucky towards the end there. He ended with two bogeys in a row, but it. He was still able to pull off the one-stroke win. What was surprising to me is uh, Brooks Kepka played a lot better than he has in the last few weeks. He was leading going into the final round, but he shot two over and the it shot two over on Sunday, which kind of pushed him back. Speaking of old Brooks, I believe Dylan had a question about Brooks and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, we and we might as well get into it as if, as you uh, brought it up. So obviously, the other big. Uh, event in the golf world uh, it, as of late was the the match two uh Bryson and Brooks going at head to head uh kind of a an interesting you know different take on the match since they kind of actually don't like each other usually it's a kind of a friendly rivalry type thing this is a this felt like a real rivalry type thing in, in a different type of atmosphere for a golfing tournament like that uh what were your thoughts on the the match and, and how it all played out yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of fun to watch because, I mean, everyone was waiting for that all year ever since. I forget what tournament it was at, but when Brooks rolled his eyes at Bryson walking by and everyone thought that was hilarious and was like, man, we finally got some rivalry or something fun to hype up in golf that we hadn't had in a while. Um, but I think what happened in general, obviously Brooks killed him. It wasn't even like Brooks uh, put, blew him out of the water. But I think what happened was Bryson just loves to talk and loves to be on camera. It's not really used to that kind of all spotlight on him to where when you were, if you were watching it, you saw uh, Brooks was kind of quiet. He didn't talk that much. He just played. He would make comments after he made a big putt and it would be like, Oh, well he'd be like, see you're not doing that or something a little snarky like that and show the rivalry. But Bryson loved to get into the technical stuff. That's why we call him the golf scientist, but he just wouldn't stop talking about that. And it seemed like he was too focused on, the cameras and talking and the TV aspect rather than actually playing. And I think that uh, came back to bite him in the end. As someone very much on the outside, I know uh, seeing that uh, the very little I did, I was like, I'm very much team Brooks. I was like, I do not like this Bryson DeChambeau fella. Like his name alone. I'm like, that guy sounds just like a jerk. And the things I saw, I was like, yeah, this guy sucks. And seeing what Brooks does, Brooks just seems like a common dude. And I was like, yeah, this is like the people's champion. Let's go Brooks Kepka. 
And of course, me knowing nothing about golf, I was like, all right, he's he's the guy now. Tiger's out, he's hurt. All right, I'll root for Brooks. That's that was my thought process as all that stuff was going on. I think it just comes full circle for me too, because like what we talked about with Tiger Woods, I, I think for a lot of us growing up, everyone talked about, well, how does golf reclaim like the the hype that it had when Tiger was at his best? And and you know, it's it's a tough thing to just say because you know, golf really hasn't been that before other than when Tiger was like that. But you put a rivalry like this in front of people, and that's something that pe- every sports fan can kind of connect with. I think everyone sees that and, it, and sees that it's legitimate and, and can go, okay, this is something real here. This is a rivalry I can get behind. It's something I can tune in to see, you know, every week or every uh, every tournament. Yeah, and you kind of like, we've never really seen in golf a rivalry that's actually like the guys hate each other. That's never actually happened. I mean, you see uh you saw like phil and tiger come about at one point but that was more of a friendly they go back and forth you even saw when they played in the match a few times it was just it's friendly they have respect towards each other this was just all out hate and it was kind of just fun to watch um in general again just fun and like uh holt was saying sorry you're both dylan can't just say dylan uh like brooks is kind of very relatable to where you see him when he's like playing you just always see him he's the guy you want to have a beer with kind of stuff like that he's always out there having fun doing his thing he doesn't really care what other people do where Bryson's a lot of I want to look good in the media I want to make people like me but in that sense he makes a lot of people dislike him so it kind of it hurts him at the same time like I was saying before the cameras in general I think just hurt him yeah Yeah, I piggybacking off what uh DJ said uh it, it provides that rivalry it's a spark um it's something like, like you said, golf hasn't had it. Um, Tiger and Phil, it was more of a, yeah, we're both really good. It's not the, we hate each other. We're going to go all out. We're at the top of our sport. We're, we're trying to make each other look bad almost. I, I want to be better than you, that type deal. That makes people want to tune in, uh, find out who's actually better, who can back up their game. And that stuff is just so much fun. It's what makes sports just so great it makes it's what makes us watch what makes us sit here and talk about it at 6 42 on a wednesday it's that's that's what it's all about and i absolutely love it so so much and that's from a guy that could care uh, just not any more less about golf i think i've played golf like three times in my life and i have never done well like i i got done playing i was like all right never again and then i get drug out there again i'm like all right this time i'm gonna be tiger woods i never am tiger woods and it's very disappointing but yeah, that I'm not going to rant about that though. Uh, I I've enjoyed my golf talk. I, I think I'm on the outside as well as Dylan Holt, but uh, I, I I don't play much. But I think I'm 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 on the brink. I'm on one of those dudes that's on the precipice of like, hey, that looks like fun. I know a lot of my friends are out getting getting their golf on all the time, and it's like I I need that competitiveness. Ever since I've given up, you know, sports in my competing in actual sports in my life, so. Um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy dipping my toes in every once in a while. And hey, uh, you might see me getting into it a lot more in depth here pretty quickly. Matt, do you have any? Uh, you have any final thoughts? Any wrap up thoughts before you go? I have one more question. Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay, so me and DJ talked about this a few weeks ago. We've seen a lot of celebrity boxing getting bigger and bigger with the Jake Paul stuff, Logan Paul stuff. My question for you is. Would it be a better lane for these celebrities or even pro athletes? Because we've seen it with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, to go to the golf course, settle it on the greens instead of the boxing ring. Has celebrity golf or celebrity boxing? 
because I'm fine with either, but I want to hear your take. Um, I think it depends on the age and the area. So if you're th- if you're talking Brady and uh, Brady and Peyton, it, that's obviously golf. They're they're not going in the ring and they're not going to beat beat each other up because they're probably already beat up from playing so many years. But could but, you uh, imagine it would Manning and Tom yeah. Brady in a boxing ring? Oh my God! Money wise, money wise, the boxing would probably make so much more money. You put it in the middle of Vegas and MGM Grand, and you just get it. Just imagine the celebrities you'd see on the sidelines for that. But, It'd be the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Manning Brady won MGM Grand. That'd be insane. It would be. Yeah, it would be. It's again, it's just all how you look at it. Realistically, it'd be golf for that, but like in general, that would be huge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think if you're looking for like the better athletic like uh competition, it would probably be golf. You you pair them with a pro, they go out there, they play golf. They get the competition out of the way. You don't get a crappy boxing match because that's what it's going to be a majority of the time when you throw in like a Nate Robinson into the boxing ring. But, but Ocho Cinco looked okay in the boxing. I don't know. I think there's a lot of fun possibilities with as celebrities uh, branch out into these realms. I don't know. This is something I'm going to talk about a lot, and I know it's going to drive uh, – Dylan Jesperson insane and I'm okay with that <laughs> you're you're totally fine I, I know I'm on the other side of like uh at least like have some competency in the boxing ring if you're going to step into the boxing ring I almost see it as the, or the green I also see it as the opposite for their golf because I can see okay. like the hilarity of someone that just sucks at golf going out and trying to make themselves look good and then in a one-on-one matchup it's I like, like if Charles yeah, exactly. Charles Barkley's swing. I, I would watch a full nine holes of Charles Barkley playing golf. That would be hilarious to me. So I could see that more than, you know, these guys going into the boxing ring just to get themselves killed. But <laughs> that's so on the other would side. Would you rather see Charles Barkley play Shaq in golf or would you rather see Charles Barkley box Shaq? I think, <laughs> what about that? I mean, that's, you're getting into a whole another realm of like, what's more entertaining? <laughs> Obviously, Shag boxing Charles Barkley would be one of the most entertaining things ever. But uh, at the same time, it almost like fits with, you remember Shaq versus, by the way? I don't know why that just popped in my head. You remember I do. I do remember that. Those people that they're sports all of a sudden. Shaq could, I think this is like the perfect time for Shaq to bring that back because it feels like we're just doing that all, the, all like out of, out of the blue all of a sudden. I'm just imagining Shaq on a golf course, which I don't think Shaq's ever been on a golf course. I hope not. And Shaq's just like grabbing a golf ball and it just, it doesn't even like show up in his hand because it's just so small. It looks like a penny in a normal person's hand. It's just a golf ball and him holding like a golf stick in. That would be some funny content. I maybe more, uh, more of a thrill than a boxing match because Shaq, you put Shaq in normal people situations and it is straight up comedy. And then Charles Barkley put him on a on any golf course in America, and it's basically three hours of just laughs. So in that situation, and they're older, so that situation, I think I'd lean golf. But a lot of situations, I'm leaning boxing. If I'm being honest, yeah, and I think that just shows. Like I, I, I think off the off the rip, you think, oh, of course, boxing. But the more you look into it, these golf matches sound a lot of fun. A lot, of, like I could get into it definitely for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. One more hypothetical. It's in my brain. The biggest beef probably we've seen in professional sports, probably the last month, Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic. Could you imagine throwing them on the golf course? 
like Nikola Jokic, his caddy is his brothers who are the scariest people alive. And they're just like standing there with their arms crossed, handing Nikola Jokic, whatever, uh, Matt, say, <laughs> say whatever kind of golf uh <laughs> think you want i think i'd be scared if i was butler that i was gonna get like a club to the knee or something at, yeah to be yeah, it would, would be insane be like, i think you need a parking lot cam or something to make sure nothing happens there but that would be my my biggest fear of that happening these are be a ton of fun these are all great hypotheticals i don't think you could you could keep going on all night with good hypotheticals on these golf matchups that would also be great boxing matchups at the same time so that's great uh wrap it up matt do you have any final thoughts before we let you go here i do not i'm just uh there's not another golf tournament besides well now there's pnc everyone's gonna watch because of tiger but there's not another like pga tournament until first second week of january so other than that should be a fun little break from golf and just See what who do uh, you have winning it all? Who's winning the PGA this year? Uh, I say Brooks or Jordan for the Masters. Yes. There we go. All right, I I, I like Brooks. Yeah. So I'm there with you. <laughs> I don't know if he'll win, but I I hope he does. <laughs> no one knows anything with golf. It's all a week to week thing. All right. Fair. Well- we appreciate you matt thank you for jumping on the dylan and dylan show today uh we will be sure to get you back on soon and maybe talk about some football or something else here so uh appreciate you have a good one thank you you too you guys too all right thank you again matt for joining us this week that was a lot of fun getting our golf talk on uh and we will be sure to have him back on soon uh, we will get back into our question and answer segment for this week. I'm going to throw it to Dylan because his question is re- revolving around a, a player in the NBA that has a, a big milestone coming up. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry. Whoever talks about that fella, he always gets just looked over in the news. Uh, Steph is uh, really close to making history. He's 10 three-pointers away, which, you know, Steph never makes three, so it's going to take him forever. From breaking Ray Allen's all-time three-point record. Uh, Ray obviously made a bajillion. It's 2,900-something. It's I don't know the exact number. Steph's going to break it either Saturday against Philadelphia, which 10 is not very feasible for him to make in that game against Philadelphia, or he'll break it early next week. Um, my question is, is this something like Steph's going to play for, we think, for a while now, like knock on wood. Hopefully Steph plays for a good little while more. Um, is this Steph's going to, like, run away with this record? This is something – that's going to join like unbreakable records. Uh, I want, I want your take on that. And then maybe I'll ask you about some of the other unbreakable records. Yeah. Uh, I think the obvious answer is most likely. Yes. I don't think there's going to be that many, like Steph is clearly the best shooter we've seen ever in, in the history of the league. And the way that he has just torched Ray Allen's record at this point is just, is, it is something to behold because I, I think, uh, you know, Ray Allen was a, a special type three point shooter and, and Steph is just, you know, he's going to, he's going to play a, a lot, like you said, a lot longer and have time to really build and really pass Ray Allen. Um, but the thing is, it's like when Ray Allen retired, I thought that record was also unbreakable at the time because I, at the time I was like, well, there'll never be another star player who's also built so much around the three point game, the way that Ray Allen was, his shot was so pure. And then there was this new Steph Curry type of built around the three-point shot where that's literally his offense and one of the best teams of all time built their franchise around him. So uh, while I don't know if it's – 
I don't know if there will ever be anyone as talented as Steph that will be able to do it, you know, that will be able to really sniff that record. But I think there will be more players built like Steph Curry. We've already seen like the Trey Youngs of the world come into the league and, and, and kind of take on that kind of Steph Curry shooter role where he kind of changes the game. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I think Steph's a great player, obviously. He's, a, he's one of the best of all time and, and the best shooter of all time. But it doesn't take like a, you know, a LeBron-type talent to do what Steph does. You know, you can be, you know, a six-foot, six-foot-one type player uh, and, and be a really, really good shooter if you put the time and effort in. Now, Steph's a one-of-a-kind type shooter, and I don't know. I think that's what really sets it apart. Will there ever be someone as talented, uh, like just as gifted from birth at shooting that also puts all that work in and has all of the right pieces to, to make all of that happen. I, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Um, but I think just the way Steph has played, there's going to be people that kind of just combat him just because he's created so many Steph Curry like players uh, in his wake. What do you think about it though? So I hope not. I hope this is Steph's record. I hope he just, creates like an unbreakable number whatever he does like I hope Steph plays for a long time like I I think Steph has the game where he could play like well into his 40s if he wants to because right now he's not a spot-up shooter he's going to make it his own shot doing whatever if Steph Steph can uh elongate his career just by becoming a spot-up shooter coming off the bench being like a J.J. Redick type player Steph Curry taking a J.J. Redick type role is terrifying for any team but that's that's down the road. Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. Um, but I think Steph has inspired a new generation of basketball where you've got all these kids and they're becoming teenagers now that have this mentality of, I want the ball in my hand. I want to dribble. I want to have these dribble moves, cross people up, shoot a three. And I mean, you can see it like LaMelo ball very much is influenced by what Steph's done. LaMelo is not near the shooter that Steph is. LaMelo will never be the shooter Steph is, but you can see the influence there. You said Trey Young, a thousand percent. Trey Young is just little Steph Curry. He's just always going to be, that comparison is always going to be there. But I think, I, I just hope when it's looked back at, back at and Steph has this incredible amount of three-pointers made, whatever it is, 4,000 or whatever it ends up being, I hope they look at it like, kids 60 years from now they're like that's just that's not real like how did he do that like when we look at Wilt Chamberlain records they're like he didn't average 50.4 points per game there's no shot they made that up like what are we talking about like oh Wilt played against plumbers they're gonna like yeah Steph Curry played against like CPAs like he was playing against John Collin Carr from the Grizzlies that's not a real NBA player like that I want those kind of arguments to be to be made because that's very much not the case. It wasn't the case with Wilt either. Wilt was just a freak of nature. Um, but I think that kind of stuff just adds to it. And I, I really want that to be how it goes down because Steph deserves it. He's the best shooter ever. Um, and he's earned that respect. And uh, if someone can outdo him, hey, good for you. But I think Steph has earned that title after so many years of three point uh, shot being a thing. And it goes from, it's kind of a natural progression to it. it went from Reggie Miller to Ray Allen. And then Steph is just, he's got it all. He's got what Reggie did so well, got what Ray did so well, and then you just got Steph Curry, who does it all. But there's one record I want to ask about. I'm not going to go down my long list. The one record, I'm going back to Chamberlain. 100 points in a game. Do you think that will ever be done? In the NBA, probably not. 
uh, I mean, we've seen it happen in college a couple times now. Uh, like, but yeah. I just, I can't see unless it's, it's really just like a, a game where someone really doesn't care. Like a team really doesn't care. They've got a star that really wants to try to break the record and they just, because that's the only way. I mean, that's what they did with Wilt too. And I don't know uh, I, the stories I've read of that game is just, they fed him the ball every time they went down the floor and they just went up and Wilt also happened to, he was not a great free throw shooter in his career, but also happened to hit like 70, 80% of his free throws that day. So it was like a special mix of just like insane type. And, and we'll just never, there, there will never be a type of Wilt Chamberlain ever again in the NBA. There's, you can't be that good at, at basketball again. Yeah, I, I agree. Wilt was, I, I remember Wilt was incredible, obviously. I remember reading, uh, it was a, it was an article somewhere. I can't remember what uh, website. It was an interview. Uh, some, it was someone that was that knew Wilt or was around Wilt back in the day. And they're like, Wilt was an alien. They were fully convinced Wilt was not from this world. And that's the kind of guy that you're talking about. A guy that's seven foot tall when human beings were not that tall then. That's kind of a new thing. People, people are getting taller. Science shows us that. Um, and he was just going out there playing at six foot nine guys and just dunking on them, making layups, making them look like fools. Uh, and that's it just made Wilt so special because he was so much bigger and he was so good. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or it's probably been a couple months ago now, uh, a video went viral on Twitter. They took Wilt's old highlights and they um they I don't even know what the word would be. They they high deft them, they got him in 4K. And they got him in color. Remastered them. Remastered. Remastered. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Remastered. And it kind of made you realize this guy was real. It's not just black and white made up. Like that Wilt Chamberlain was actually out there for the Sixers and the Warriors and the Lakers just being a menace to NBA defenses. And it's like, okay, it all happened. I'm in. Wilt Chamberlain's awesome. All right. And he's one of the best of all time. That's the thing about Wilt, which I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. He does not get the respect he deserves on, like, the top ten list. You look at all the records and be like, well, it's Michael Jordan and LeBron, maybe Kareem. What are we talking about? Wilt is, like, the biggest freak of all time. And it's like, ah, we're not going to talk about him. But, yeah, that is what it is. But Steph Curry, I think he's going to own the record. Many rabbit holes were just gone down. Yeah. I I think bringing it full circle, too, I think that's what it will take to break a a record like Steph is going to set is like a, a game changing type player where he's like seven foot two and also does what Steph Curry does, where he's literally unblockable from behind the three point line, but also can shoot at Steph's rate. That's like the only thing I can think of. Giannis's son. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. You give it 18 years. It's yeah, Giannis's son. Yeah. And that's what I, and that's where I think. I, not necessarily that necessarily, but like, that's where I think, you know, that we're going to see these bigger wings, like the Kevin Durant of the world play like Steph Curry, because that's just, you know, what they've seen growing up. And, you know, those are the types of players I, I think might have a chance, but you've also got to be, you know, very consi- consistent from that three point line at, at, like Steph has. So uh, kudos to him. I'll get into my question real quick. Uh, we talked about the co- head coaching changes last week with, within Oklahoma and within Notre Dame and uh, LSU and USC. Uh, a big one broke last week that was kind of rumored, didn't really like know if it had much traction. 
finally broke that Mario Cristobal was leaving Oregon uh, to go home to Miami, take the job in Miami. I think that's a great fit for him. And I think, obviously, I think they're going to thrive now. And I think it's going to be more exciting with the, with the ACC with another top dog in Miami coming back. That's that's the conversation for another day. Now, with the vacancy vacancy at Oregon in the head coaching spot, and their main man, the man that built that program down the road at UCLA in Chip Kelly, Dylan, is it time for the Oregon Ducks to bring Chip Kelly back to Eugene, Oregon? I think so. I think it would be very smart, but I don't, I don't think they should. I think this is a similar situation to last year with Tennessee, where it's like, oh, or a couple of years ago. I don't know how long it's been. Time's been weird. Uh, with Lane Kiffin, it's like, do we – the Lane Kiffin and Tennessee situation was much different than what happened with Chip Kelly in Oregon. Chip went to the NFL. All that happened. We know the whole story. It didn't work out. And then he goes back to UCLA. And it, it's been somewhat successful. They've had fun teams. Um, the the only UCLA games I think I watched were the LSU game, and then I watched the game against USC. They looked good against USC. I was impressed. They But USC was bad this year, so that doesn't really say a lot. Um, but, I mean, it's a natural fit. Chip, when, when I think of Chip Kelly, I think of Oregon. I mean, he got to the NFL – and he just tried to get working guys. That's all he did his whole time in the NFL and screwed up two franchises doing it, which was insane. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, I don't think Oregon can really go wrong, though. Oregon has so much momentum that the Pac-12 is a very winnable conference, and they've shown that uh, because I mean, they're going to have Lincoln Riley at USC, which obviously we think will turn into a juggernaut. It probably should with what Lincoln Riley can do in the recruiting and all that. But Oregon should be right behind them and being a powerhouse because people are aging younger. Oregon's the cool school. They've got all the uniforms. They've got all these cool players. Like everyone growing up was like, yeah, well, Michael James, sick. That guy's awesome. De'Anthony Thomas, he is awesome. Marcus Mariota was like the king of like high school and middle school Instagram and Twitter, like football wise. Because everybody loved him. Like, they have the flashy uniforms. They play so flashy that it's like everybody just wants to, like, root for them. And no one has bad blood towards them because it's Oregon. Like, no one's like, oh, I hate Oregon. They're they're the worst. They don't have, like, the evil empire vibes of, like, Alabama or Clemson or whatever. So I, I, I really don't think they can go wrong. They get Chip Kelly. I think it's immediate steam recruiting will pick up, which Oregon doesn't have to worry about recruiting. Like I said, they're the cool school. They get guys like Kayvon Thibodeau uh, and other massive recruits uh, all the time. So get someone in there that knows what they're doing. They can run a good offense like a Chip Kelly. Because if they get him, I'd see them going right back to what they were when he was there and just turning it up and being awesome. But I don't think they have to. I think Oregon's shown – with all the coaching turnover they've had in the past decade, they just stay good. They're they're very consistent. It's just the Oregon way, which I'm very jealous of as a Tennessee fan because we've had so much coaching turnover and it does not work that way in the SEC. So I'm very jealous of the Pac-12 because Oregon's like stayed at the top and it feels like they have a different coach every year and it's insane. I'm like very, very jealous because I, I feel like you turn around they have a different coach, they have different schemes, like – they never have the same quarterback. Marcus Mariota had four years, and then every other year it's a different quarterback lining up back there. They had 
consistency at running back. Like you had Michael James for a while. Then you had DeAnthony Thomas playing running back in the receiver. And then from then you had Royce Freeman for a little while. And then it's just all mixed up. It's like, all right, we got a new guy and he's awesome. And then here's this other guy. He's awesome. It's like, okay, all right, Oregon, just do you being just a consistent football program. I'm very jealous. But yeah, I, I'd be all for Chip Kelly going back. But if not, I don't think they have to worry. I think they'll knock it out of the park. They, my my brain's spinning and I'm realizing they probably just have great leadership in Eugene because the basketball program's been really good as well over the past uh, decade or so. So yeah, the leadership's just awesome in Eugene. So I have full faith they're going to make a good hire, whether it be Chip Kelly, which A-plus in my book, or whoever else, you know who they should, who keeps getting brought up by us, Lane Kiffin. He would kill it at Oregon. It might not be like his flashy, when they got the flashy uniforms, Eugene's not like a Lane Kiffin town, but Oxford might be more Lane Kiffin's tempo, more Lane Kiffin type of town, but uh, I don't think that would be a problem. Lane Kiffin could roll into Eugene and win so many football games. And just imagine the duels that him and uh, Lincoln Riley would have between Oregon and USC. It would be awesome. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see who they hire. And like I said, I don't think it really matters. They could bring in Chip Kelly. They could bring in whoever. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, do you think they should bring back Chip or they can just see where the chips fall? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I think with that Nike money, I think regardless of who you hire, I think you're going to you're going to find a a successful way. Uh, But I think it's just it it fits so well. And I think it's mutually beneficial if they bring back Chip Kelly. Uh, For one, UCLA, that job just got way worse with Lincoln Riley, just a, you know, a few steps away. So uh, I don't think I think really Chip Kelly has reached the ceiling that UCLA can be at this point in football, uh, which is not that great, but, you know, solid, you know, can take advantage of when USC is down and be a a competent program. But I think you take that next step, you bring back a guy like Chip Kelly uh, to Oregon uh, when you need a coach like that. And I think Oregon, it just makes sense because like, even with Mario Cristobal there, I just assumed they had a great offense. That's the way Oregon is in my head. Uh, I got introduced to Oregon a little bit younger than most people did because the, the week after Michigan lost to Appalach- Appalachian state, Oregon came to town with Dennis Dixon and the boys uh, and put on a show. And I, and that's where we're usually Michigan losses make me hate the other team. It was like, wow, this team is cool. They're running statue of liberties and fake statue of liberties. Like this is just, that's always been Oregon. And then that's what I always associate with Oregon. And while I've liked, I liked the identity they, they had under Cristobal, like that tough defense, uh, kind of like an old school power. I still think of Oregon as like, hey, they're going to have the fastest guys on the to you. Uh, they're going to have better, they're going to have better, you know, athletes than you, and they're going to have better schemes than you in the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's, you know, when you look at the coaches that are left, Lane Kiffin might be one of those guys. I think Chip Kelly is the natural fit. And you don't have to deal with the, the the extra stuff that Lane Kiffin brings. So I think bring Chip Kelly back would make a lot of sense. But I think you're also right in the sense that Oregon's at a spot where I think they're gonna they're gonna be successful regardless. And uh, a lot of that is due to that Phil Knight Nike money that they've got running around. And I think regardless of who you bring in, you're gonna have you're gonna bring in recruits. They're gonna have a lot of fun. You're gonna have a good chance in Eugene. So. Uh, but that being said, you got to take advantage of it while you have the chance. I mean, he's not going to be around forever. And if you've got 
the biggest sports company really just funneling you money trying to win a national championship you better take advantage at some point so uh this next hire really does need to be a big one so uh maybe chip kelly isn't isn't even big enough in that regard so uh they've 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 got to win something at some point they can't just especially with lincoln riley come back coming to usc it's going to be a lot tougher now to win the pac-12 so you're going to have to be very competitive so it's going to be a big hire we're going to have to see how that plays out uh, we will move on to this week in sports, though. Uh, we got some college football reactions to get into. We'll start with the individual or the Heisman Trophy as the finalists were uh, announced earlier this week. We've got Bryce Young out of Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, and Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. Uh, I want to get, Dylan, your reactions to those finalist lists, anyone you think you left off the list, uh, and then who's your favorite going into the New York ceremony coming this weekend, right on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, Saturday night. Um, well, I don't left off. I don't think anyone got left off that should have been on there. I mean, Hinden hooker should have been on there, but he was, you know, they were never going to put him on there trying to keep him down. I get it. It's the man, all that. Uh, my favorite is a thousand percent Ken Pickett, but he's not going to win. That, that's my favorite. Because I don't like – well, Aiden's fine. I'm fine with Aiden Hutchinson. The other guys, I don't like I don't like CJ or Bryce Young. But Bryce Young's going to win it. Uh, he he won that Heisman. He didn't have a Heisman moment. He had a Heisman quarter. And it was the second quarter against Georgia in the SEC championship. That defense was absurd all year long. And Bryce Young and Alabama was like, word. We're going to go out there and embarrass these fools on the biggest stage Georgia's been on all year. And that and the first quarter, Georgia defense looked all right. That second quarter, Bryce Young, Jamison Williams took over, and they they did what they've done all year to everybody and just put up points. Uh, Bryce Young broke the SEC championship passing record, um, and that was a record set by Mac Jones last year for Alabama. So kudos to them. Alabama's very much gone away from their defense to win championships. And they're like, oh, we're just going to score a million points, which not a terrible uh, – strategy when you can get literally all the best players but yeah I think I think Bryce setting that record against the Georgia defense that had been hyped up like it was the 84 Bears that seals it for him but yeah Kenny Pickett's my favorite that fake slide was awesome and I there are people that are like that should be outlawed and I'm like well it wasn't in the rule books then so it's fun and that could have been his Heisman moment uh but it won't be because they're gonna give it to Bryce Young and they're gonna tickle uh the fancy of alabama and all the the big companies but kenny pickett's my guy so i'm hoping kenny pickett will be in nashville uh yeah this time next year would be cool backing up ryan Tannehill. that would be awesome learn from them become the titan starter because kenny pickett's good at football yeah yeah kenny pickett i think is like the the favorite of the 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 little guys uh in terms of left off the list i brought that up because twitter was ablaze uh at least my twitter was ablaze when the finalists got announced because i think i have more michigan state fans than than you do probably on your on your on your feed thousand percent i don't think i have any Right. Uh, the Michigan State Twitter absolutely melted down after because they thought Kenneth Walker deserved to be a finalist. And to, I was going to say, if it's anyone else, they sh- it shouldn't be them because Kenneth Walker is Michigan State football team. 
Yeah, I, I, and to an extent, I agree. And obviously, I, I saw firsthand what Kenneth Walker could do because his best game was against Michigan. And one of, if not the only reason that Michigan State won that game was the, the performance that Kenneth Walker had that day. Um, I, I thought it was just, you know, welcome to the world of the Heisman Trophy voting Michigan State fans that you just are now figuring out that, hey, sometimes the best player doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. Do you think the best player is always a quarterback nine times out of 10? No, it's not. But that's how Heisman voting works. Welcome to college football, Michigan State fans. Uh, unfortunately, you, you know, it's very hard to win the award as a running back. You're going to, if you don't play for an Alabama Clemson, one of those teams that's winning the winning or competing for the national championship, it's almost impossible to get into that top four, unless you break a bunch of records, you know, and really, you know, Kenneth Walker had a great year. He didn't even lead the nation in rushing. Uh, a guy in uh, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, actually did. If you didn't know that, Lou Nichols in uh, Central Michigan. So, uh, I mean, I think Kenneth Walker had an amazing year and deserved maybe, you know, ex- if, if you were to extend it to five finalists, I think bring Kenneth Walker along into New York. And I think Michigan State fans would have been a lot happier. But I think it's just... You know, welcome to the world of uh, Heisman Trophy voting, uh, Michigan State fans. And uh, but I do think they have a point because I don't. You know, we I think we should eliminate the 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 quarterback always needs to be in there. I don't think C.J. Stroud, while he's had a great year, uh, do you not think Quinn Ewers would have done the same thing had he given a, a full off season to you know lead that offense? I I, I think it's a pretty uh, yes, yeah, I, exactly. I think that. I think that that offense with those wide receivers, I think it was inevitable that the quarterback was going to put up those types of numbers. So we need, we need critical thinking Heisman voters like that, rather than just, you know, the best quarterbacks with the best stats are going to get my first two votes and that's it. So I I agree with them there. I disagree with them that, that, you know, if Kenneth Walker was a, a, a finalist over Aiden Hutchinson, I wouldn't really mind because we all know Bryce Young won the award. It's not that big of a, an argument at this point. Uh, I think it's I, I agree, and I think from a Michigan State fan's point of view, like it would just be nice to have your guy get some recognition for once. Um, but it is what it is, you know. It, we all know who won the Heisman, and we're, we really don't even need to wait till Saturday to figure that out. So I uh, wasn't really that surprised, wasn't that shocked. We all know what's going to happen. So uh, we'll move on to the college football playoff and bowl reactions. Uh, basically chalk of what we expected for the college football playoff after what happened in the, uh, in the conference championship games, uh, big games between Michigan and Georgia and then Alabama and Cincinnati on New Year's Eve, uh, and then some really good bowl game matchups. I was just looking through those, and I jotted some of those down too. So, Dylan, what were your reactions to the college football playoff? What are your expectations for the college football playoff? And any bowl games that you're excited to see that aren't related to the playoff? Of course. I'm going to start with my reaction to the playoff. Because I've had beef with the college football playoff committee all year, and I'm going to continue that. Because I'm mad with how they set this up. I think it should have been one Michigan, two Cincinnati, three Alabama. Or no, 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 no. Screwed that up. One Michigan, two Alabama, three Cincinnati, four Georgia. Yeah. So get the rematch of Alabama-Georgia in the semifinals. Knock it out right out the bat. Get the two, four. At, or, you got this I, wrong. You've got this wrong. Yeah, yeah I screwed it up. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is match Alabama and Georgia up in the semis, Michigan, Cincinnati. Because 
I don't think anyone in their right mind wants to see Alabama and Georgia play for the national championship. And that's a reality that we live in that we could get. Hopefully Michigan beats Georgia. Hopefully Cincinnati beats Alabama because that would suck. I don't think anyone wants to see that. And I, I really wish Oklahoma State would have got an extra yard and Georgia would be sitting at home because with the performance they had, I really do believe that Oklahoma State would have jumped them. Georgia looked pitiful and their resume is not good. The, their best win is Kentucky or Tennessee, and that's not good. Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky's okay. They're nine and three. Tennessee's seven and five. Has many, not bad losses. Lost to the ACC champions, lost to Alabama, lost to Georgia, whatever. It's not a great resume for Georgia, is what I'm trying to say. So I, I think there could have been an argument. They wouldn't have been left out. But my perfect world, um, I just wish they would have got the rematch out of the way because. I'm scared we're going to live in a dark reality where we get that all-SEC national championship, and that sucks. I do not want to see that at all. Um, but not focusing on that. We've got a lot of really good bowl matchups, and I'm really excited for them. The real national championship is on December 30th in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City Bowl, pitting Purdue against the Tennessee Volunteers. It's the real national championship. I, it's what everybody's been saying. The two best teams in the country going at it. The black and gold of Purdue, the orange and white of Tennessee. It's going to be an amazing matchup. I cannot wait to be there in person to watch Hendon Hooker go at it with David Bell from Purdue. It's going to be an awesome game. Cannot wait for it. Um, but besides that game, there's a few more games that I've asterisked on the list. Um, the Gasparilla Bowl, one that some people might not be like when when they're getting ready for bowl season. It's like, all right, the Gasparilla Bowl. I got to check that one out. It's UCF in Florida. Like, great job by whoever decided to match those teams up together. Because I think it's something everyone's wanted to see for a long time. Florida, they ended the season really cold, but they're definitely going to get fired up. The Billy Napier's in Gainesville now. He's going to have I, – he, I don't know that he'll be in charge for the bowl game. I assume not. It'll be an interim of some sort. They're going to be fired up as they get under a new era in Florida. But Gus on UCF are going to be fired up. They think Florida belongs to UCF. They've thought that for a long time now. So that's going to be really, really fun uh, to see kind of the pride of Florida go at it because all those teams are kind of down while UCF's been in a renaissance of football in Orlando. Um, Houston-Auburn's going to be a good game. I really believe that. Auburn's a team we've talked about a lot. That's just weird. Like, you never know what you're going to get out of Auburn. Houston's good, too. So are we going to get the good Auburn that comes to play uh, against a good Houston team? Does Auburn go and just come out flat because they don't have Bo Nix? We don't know. We saw a good Auburn – our good Bo Nix-less Auburn team against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Are we going to get the same thing uh, against Houston in the Birmingham Bowl? I don't know. I'm excited to see. Auburn's so weird. I'm, it's just wackiness you get from them. Chip Kelly's UCLA team against NC State in the Holiday Bowl. Is it a tryout for Oregon? Who knows? That, that could get a quality win for Chip Kelly under his belt because NC State was good. They beat Clemson, who turned out to be good, even though no one talked about them all year. They kind of slid under the radar. They're like, we lost our games, but we're still we're still pretty good. Nine and three, finished 19th uh, ranked. Uh, and then the last one I'm going to talk about, the Alamo Bowl, Oregon against Oklahoma. I Both teams lost their head coaches. Uh, and it's kind of like, who's going to go out there and kind of play for their uh, – it's kind of like the pride of the school kind of because they're – might the direction of the programs might not be really we don't know uh Oregon we don't know who their head coach is Oklahoma obviously it said it's going to be uh Brett Venables from Clemson but 
a lot of question marks uh, bet- between those two programs after two really good years for both teams, 10 and three for Oregon, 10 and two for Oklahoma. So uh, that's really fun one. And then one more, I said that was my last one, but the Peach Bowl, Pittsburgh, Michigan State, good God. That's going to, like, we talked about the ACC championship being a million points, and it was. The Peach Bowl is going to be a million points. Kenneth Walker is going to have, like, seven touchdowns, and um, Kenny Pickett is going to tear that defense apart. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch because that that's just going to be the Kenny Bowl. Kenny, Kenny Pickett and Kenny Walker, that, that's, that one's going to be a lot of fun. That one's definitely circled. But, yeah, lots lots of fun matchups outside the college football playoff. And, obviously, the college football playoff is going to be awesome. Uh, what matchups are you looking forward to and your reactions to the selections and Michigan being uh, in all of this? Yeah, it's a, like I said, uh, as a college football fan for my entire life, I'm having so many new feelings. Michigan winning the Big Ten championship is a brand new feeling. We didn't, we had never even been to the Big Ten title game. Now, you know, we're going, I'm going to go through Christmas time and our season's not over. We still have meaningful games to play down the road, which is just absolutely mind blowing to me. I never, I, for a time there, I didn't think it would ever come back as a Michigan fan that, that we would have a, a moment like this, but super excited. Uh, I've told people that I actually think we match up with Georgia better than we do with Alabama. So I'm actually, if we had to pick one of the SEC teams to play, I would rather play uh, Georgia uh, first round rather than Alabama, just because I think their offense is just dreadful. And I think uh, against a solid defense like ours, they're going to have a tough time moving the ball. It's going to be a race to like 20 points, 20, 21 points. Whoever gets to that mark first will probably win the game. And, you know, just the momentum that Michigan's on, I, I, I think we have a lot more upwards momentum while Georgia is on the downwards momentum. So I think, you know, it, it couldn't work out better for us. I, uh, other than if we would have played Cincinnati to start, but you know, that's here nor there. Uh, I'm hoping Cincinnati can pull off the upset against Alabama because I just do not see how we beat Alabama. I think that's, they are obviously the best team in the country right now. And I just don't know how we slow down Bryce Young in that offense and Jamison Williams, because those dudes are, uh, those dudes are something special. So uh, I'm hoping for an upset there. Uh, But yeah, it's a lot less fun too, when the committee just like, it's really just picking matchups. We all knew what the four teams were after the, we, we needed more chaos. And I think it would have been a lot more fun had, you know, Alabama lost to Georgia in that, in that SEC title game, or if, uh, you know, something else would have happened. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't. Oklahoma Michigan. state literally had literally one more, one more inch. One more like, inch. It was an inch. It was so close. That was a crazy game. That was one of the best endings of any college or conference championship game that we, I saw last weekend. That was a lot of fun. I hated that ending so much because I caught so many strays because every account on Twitter was like, oh, it's like the Titans in the Super Bowl. Remember when that happened? It's like, yeah, we know. We get it. Like, you don't have to tell us. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that. I didn't see that, but that is hilarious. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. I think, you know, Alabama is still a clear favorite, but at this point, it's like we're playing with house money. Like, why not us? Why why can't we just go on and, and win two more games, I think? Uh, and I heard it said this week, if Michigan goes on to beat Georgia and then beat Alabama and win a national championship, would that be the most impressive national championship you've seen to go beat Ohio state in we- in the last week of the regular season, destroy an Iowa team, and then go beat a prolific, like what the, the crowned best defense of all time. And then crowned best offense of all time. If we went on to beat both of those teams, would be the most impressive national championship, at least of the college football playoff era? Very reactionary. Yes. 
I think so. I, I'm trying to think. I'm like thinking back. I think Ohio, Ohio Jones, State has the other one yeah, with Cardell Jones. Yeah. But I still think you, you beat an Ohio State team where with three probably Hall of Fame wide receiver wide receivers, uh, and then you've got an all-time defense in Georgia, and then the eventual Heisman winner in Bryce Young and Jamison Williams in that the, the dynasty that Alabama is. If we win all three of those games, I think you can go down and say that's like the, the best, most impressive, especially starting the year unranked. Uh, that's like, c- take all those factors in. I think it is one of the most impressive, but and, we got to get that and done. And bouncing back after losing to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be really impressive. Yeah. They, yeah. The Michigan State game wasn't early in the season. It was later on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be right up there with the most impressive uh, performances. And you got to give Jim Harbaugh a ton of credit for what he's done this year, uh, especially. I mean, there was times even this year when we talked about him being on the hot seat. So uh, it's wild to think about where we're at right now. Uh, I'm looking forward to a ton of bowl games, and you mentioned a few of them. The Peach Bowl between MSU and Pitt, I think that's going to be just a ton of fun. Uh, Yeah, 50-plus points from both teams. I think 100-plus points total. Take the over in that one for sure. Um, And then the Gasparilla Bowl, I thought the Florida-UCF matchup is going to be really interesting because Florida kind of has to take that seriously. It's like usually in those types of bowl games, if it was a Michigan or something, we wouldn't wouldn't take that seriously. But if we got matched up with Central Michigan or Eastern Michigan, then it's like, okay, we can't lose that game. We seriously cannot lose that game. So – uh, I think that made that that much more important to those kids at Florida. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Central Michigan, I'm really excited for the Arizona Bowl, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl between Central Michigan and Boise State. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Two teams very similar. And like I said earlier, Lou Nichols, the best, the leading rusher in the NCAA this year. Uh, and not many people know that he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, keep your eye out on that. Uh, I also have the Frisco Bowl written down, UTSA versus San Diego State probably the two best like group of five teams not named Cincinnati are are matching up and going at it. And that's one of those early games. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Only three losses between the two of those programs. So going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, The Rose bowl between Ohio state and Utah. I think that's like a perfect matchup. Uh, Utah is going to try to run it down their throat, just like Michigan did. And we're going to see what Ohio state is. Uh, I've, it's been the first time I've been able to be like tuned into the Mich- the Ohio State media because I'm trying to see it. Usually they're so good, I don't want to hear them gloating. But we finally beat them, and they're in a bad spot right now. So I've been trying to see. This is a turning point in their fr- in their uh, in their program. A lot of they're they're expecting a lot of changes on that defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they just hired the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. Uh, it's going to be a big turning point if Utah runs all over them again, like Oregon and Michigan did. There's going to be a lot of unhappy Buckeye fans uh, in Columbus. And I, I, I'm loving seeing the reactions from Columbus because it's just the overreaction you would expect from a team like Ohio State. They do not know how to handle a loss to Michigan. They cannot stand the fact that we're in the playoff right now. And I'm just loving every minute of it. Uh, and yeah, that, that's, those are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. So, uh, I think number one though, that peach bowl is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't want to give Michigan state a ton of credit, but you got two, basically, I think we'll be top five Heisman finalists in, in vote getting in Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett. And it's going to be a lot of offense, not a lot of defense played. So we're going to have a lot of fun watching that one. Uh, it's going to be a fun bowl experience and we've got something fun 
uh, planned for you guys. We'll get into that probably next week. So uh, we'll, we'll jump into that next week, but we'll, we'll move forward with our last picks of the week of the year. We said that last week was going to be our last picks of the conference championship games. We couldn't leave army and Navy out this week. So we have to give our picks on the army Navy game coming this weekend. The only college football game coming this Saturday, uh, the classic rivalry matchup uh, between the two military schools. Dylan, who do you like between Army and Navy? I'm going to go with, and this is no analysis at all, but I always go with Army over Navy. Uh, my brother is in the Army National Guard. So it's obviously like a natural have to root for Army. Uh, it's always kind of been the thing. And Army has played really good in these games lately. They're 8-3 and three this year. They're on a great stretch last few years. Um, and Navy hasn't had the best year of 3-8. and eight. But, uh, yeah, I always pick Army. Got to gotta, uh, gotta rep Hunter Holt. Uh, in the Army National Guard. Uh, so, yeah, go Army, beat Navy. Who you got in this one? Yeah, I got to pick Army. And when Army is good, I got to pick Army. I think a lot of people are going to forget that dominance that Navy had when we were growing up. Navy was Navy football over Army football for a long time was just as dominant as Ohio State over Michigan. It was like every year Navy's going to win, and it's going to be pr- pretty easy because they're, they're way better. Now all of a sudden Army's good. I got to pick Army. I don't have the those ties that you do. My my grandpa was an Air Force vet, so I'm more of an Air Force guy when those military schools end up playing each other. Army-Navy is more just a fun thing for me. I get to watch those teams go at it. I'm picking Army. It seems like the smart pick this year. Uh, but you never know. I think that's the, the great thing about that rivalry. It truly is. No, The records do not matter. Either team could get a win at any time, whichever whichever one of those triple opinion offenses is working better on that day. So that's going to be a lot of fun to look out for. Uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan Dylan show this week. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? I do. Uh, two things. The Titans made a huge signing today. They are, they claimed, uh, they claimed Zach Cunningham off the waivers from Houston. That he's a stud. I did not expect that at all. He fell to the Titans. Uh, Houston cut him the other day. He obviously knows Vrabel. He knows the system. Uh, Vrabel was the DC in Houston a few years ago before coming to Tennessee. He feels a huge hole for the Titans that they have at linebacker. Very, very excited to have Zach cutting him in Nashville. Excited to see the impact he makes because the Titans try to get back on the winning side, get back in the playoffs as everybody gets healthy. Uh, and then two, tomorrow night in Memphis, Tennessee, the John Morant Bowl, the John Morant Special, however you want to say it, Murray State travels to Memphis to play the Tigers. Uh, Memphis hasn't had the best season like many people have thought with Jalen Duran and Imani Bates. Murray State, on the other uh, other hand, seven and one has looked dominant in most games. They lost to East Tennessee State University in a weird uh, holiday tournament game. They had like had like nine hours of travel, showed up and played, and shot terrible. So that's kind of an asterisk on that one. So Murray State, great start to the season, going against a Memphis team that has struggled. Obviously, Memphis has all the talent in the world. Murray State's got a lot of talent too, though. So that's uh, that's a game I think everybody needs to keep an eye on. And I'm hoping that series uh, gets sparked back up. We haven't played Memphis since 2011. That was when Isaiah Cannon and the boys went down there, beat uh, Memphis team by quite a bit. And uh, Murray rode into the top 25 after that. Had a really good year that year. So maybe the same thing can happen uh, tomorrow night in Memphis. Murray gets a big win over a really talented Memphis team. I don't know if we can call them a really good Memphis team just yet. But – you never know. Uh, Amani Bates and Jalen Duran might have the breakout games. And if they do, cool. I'll be watching. Uh, I'm very excited for that. But yeah, go racers. Excited for a, another fun weekend of basketball and then Army Navy and finding out the Heisman. Congrats to Bryce Young. 
<laughs> All right. The awesome stuff there. Yep. I'm excited for an awesome weekend too. Shout out to the Lions for getting their first win last weekend. Dan Campbell getting his first win as a head coach. Uh, I've talked a lot of junk about the Lions, so I got to give them credit when they do get their first win of the season. Uh, yeah. And I'm just excited for that Army Navy game and I'm excited to, you know, get. Uh, is this the first weekend where they start playing uh, pro games on Saturdays? Oh, it might be. It might I be. Don't know. I'm not, I'm not weekend. certain. Don't quote me on that. We should know that, but I don't know that off the top of my head. But <laughs> if it is, it's going to be fun once that actually starts happening and then we can get into bowl season. No, no. It's on – it's tonight or last night when you're listening. You're right. Um, Thursday night football and then a lot of Sunday and then you have Monday. All right, yeah, well, we're getting into that. We get around Christmas and it gets weird. Yeah, that, we're getting around to that time. We're going to start seeing football on basically all the time. So um excited for that. Excited for a fun holiday season of uh, sports and, every, and whatnot. Uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV Sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. And you can find us at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that is going to do it from us. Have a great week, great weekend. Uh, stay safe out there, and we will meet you back here next week. See you later, everyone.